Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NCAA football season rolls on week 10 for some of the conferences, but for the Pac-12, it's week one. Welcome, everybody, to Believe in the Pac-12 Football, along with Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkin, back for another season of Pac-12 Football, where we will get you covered on all things going on on the West Coast in the Power 5 Conference. Ryan, it's been a while since we caught up, my man. How's it going? What's been going on in uh, the, the, the hills of Hollywood, we'll call it? Well, a lot of preschool teaching. Uh, that's that's what's been my life for the last. My last job in sports really was March 11th in Norman, Oklahoma, covering Jalen Hurts's pro day. We've seen how that all played out, a draft oh, yeah. accord, uh, but everything else got shut down. And the Pac-12, of course, wasn't supposed to play. And here we are going into this weekend with the first week of ball for the Pac-12 conference, trying to make themselves a part of the equation if and when the college football playoff committee decides to pick a final four when this is all said and done. I think that we should start there because we'll go over the schedule. We'll talk about the teams uh, and maybe give our prediction both for the week and maybe throughout the Pac-12 season. But Going into the Pac-12 season with Week 10 being abundant for the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC, amongst obviously some teams who have had to reschedule or cancel games, the Pac-12 doesn't look like they're in a position to get a team into the college football playoff, and it may be even harder for them to be convincingly get a team into a a really good bowl outside. Obviously, they have to get a team in the Rose Bowl, uh, depending on who the champion is. But in terms of convincing fashion, I mean, Regardless of the team, what needs to happen in this conference to give the national committee some confidence in a Pac-12 team to maybe give them the benefit of the doubt and we could go over the ACC, we can go over the SEC and the different scenarios and maybe Ohio State, but who knows what their strength of schedule. Is the Big 12 going to be strong enough? Probably not to get a team in at this point. What needs to happen in the Pac-12? I, I think they have to have an undefeated team. It's just not the sample size is going to be too small in comparison to that they more than welcome uh, taking a one-loss SEC team who played 10, uh, 11 games over, uh, you know, a seven, you know, a seven-game season. Now, if you go 7-0 and and win the conference, I think that actually for the committee is going to give you an opportunity to to crash that party, and I think rightfully so. I do. If you're able to go 7-0 and in this crammed season means, A, you got through all seven weeks without any COVID-related uh, postponements because there isn't a, they're not allowable. Uh, when you've decided to play seven consecutive weeks, kind of like the Big Ten's doing, you're watching what Wisconsin's going through. Wisconsin's a very good football team, and because they're not going to play two games and not have them remade, you know if they're if they're sitting there at six and zero, oh, do they get in uh, with a win over Ohio State in the Big Ten Big Ten championship? I I, I don't know. Uh, they have to get in, I, I would think, but you, you never know when you're talking about this virus and the effects. 
if a team's able to go undefeated in the Pac-12, get through it all, win all their games, win the championship, I, I definitely think they get a look from the committee. It's I it's so t- okay. There's going to be win. There's going to be teams that don't win that don't lose games. Excuse me. That end up getting shafted out of the college football playoff. We know that. Also, Cincinnati, I feel like, needs to be put in the conversation at this point, right? If they go undefeated, they're a top, they're number seven right now in the country. Do they get the benefit of the doubt because Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are not going to be convincing enough out of the Big 12? Obviously, with what we've seen this season, the Pac-12 won't be convincing enough. Maybe the, something crazy. I don't think that a 6-0 Wisconsin team with their schedule is going to have enough credibility to make it. Right, you're not going to make everybody happy. Notre Dame and Clemson. What do you do with those two teams? And I know you and I sort of had our little Twitter back and forth last week about it. I, I don't want to count out Notre Dame. I'm giving them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. I think Ian Book's overrated. I think their secondary is actually decent. Opening game of the season, they gave Duke way more of a chance than they shouldn't. They've they've hunkered down since then. Um, we'll see what happens this upcoming Saturday against Clemson. But no matter what, no, but not everybody's going to be happy. It does a does a. A 7-1 and one Ohio State team hold more water than a 7-0 and o Pac-12 team? For the committee and for people who are watching around the country, unless it's, unless it's a 7-0 and o team that's won their games by an average of like 20 points or something like that, I would say yes. It just, it's, it's just the world we live in. Um, Ohio State's a brand name. You know, it would be really hard. If, if USC is 7-0 and o and they look really darn good, Keaton Slovis is lit it up again. You know, they they may get the benefit of the doubt because guess what? They're USC. Right. Oregon starting to trend in that direction. I just I, I don't have a lot of confidence in in Oregon being able to duplicate what they did a year ago, replacing so much, even though Mario Cristobal has been able to recruit. So I think it's gonna be difficult. I think if you're undefeated at seven and zero, um, I think you get in over a Cincinnati team. I think you get in over a BYU team. I think you get in over any other undefeated team outside of the Power Five. Um, I think it's going to be really hard for Cincinnati BYU to to crash the party. It just it it just is. It's uh, I'd take a one loss Oklahoma State team versus Cincinnati in a game in a matchup. I'd pick Oklahoma State, you know, nine times out of ten in that. So it it's it's tough, you know, being from the group of five, having to deal with that, you know, chip on your shoulder, little kid on the block. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, I've said for a while there should be a group of five final four, you know, and let them battle. And I think it would be just as entertaining and fun. Um, But it is what it is. And I just think they get left out uh, once again. It's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes up. Of course, uh, Pac-12 commissioner Larry Scott earlier this year, back in late August, early September, when there were whispers that maybe the Pac-12 would follow the Big Ten and try and reinstate a season that they wanted an expansion. And obviously, Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, was on board, and no other commissioner was on board. Uh, Greg Sankey ultimately shutting it down, as well as the National Committee. So that didn't end up happening. If it was going to happen, I feel like this would have been the season to let it happen, um, which shows that maybe it is time to start separating and balancing the power between the group of five and the power of five. And that may be, Ryan, the Pac-12 adopting a couple more teams. Well, it's, it's this, this would be the year. But the problem for me would be it would be hard to put the genie back in the bottle. And I think that's the fear, setting precedent and then seeing some success, like seeing a, 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 a Pac-12 team that's getting its eighth and ninth games and just really kind of coming to the forefront then and winning and, and maybe them coming in as a sixth seed and winning the thing. Um, 
you know, I think that would open up a lot of eyes to like, hey, you know, a year from now, this needs to be a six team or an eight team tournament. And, and I don't think the committee wants that. Uh, they like the elitism of the final four, the four that make it. I think that the four that are in are elite. They are. And there's a team maybe that on any given Saturday could beat one of those four. But I think overall, for the, the majority of the time, we've gotten the best four teams into the playoff during since its inception. And I feel like the, the best team has been the national champion. Yeah, of course, the last 14 of 15 national champions have come out of the SEC. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't think anybody can touch Clemson uh, with or without Trevor Lawrence. We'll get into, I'm sure, those conversations at some point. But the, the schedule is going to be packed this Saturday, uh, starting at 9 a.m. on the West Coast time with USC hosting Arizona State. USC found themselves at 25th in the Week 3 poll. Since then, they've been boosted up to number 20, up to Week 10 uh, before playing a game. All they have to do is not play. <laughs> and they just keep moving up. I love it. I love it's, it. It's the Clay. It's the Clay Helton effect. Don't get on the field, and maybe do we'll not, give you a. Do not do, do not give anybody anything that may possibly make you go ooh. Yeah, and then you're fine. Fine, you'll be in the top ten because you're USC before you know it. Exactly. Don't give us any reason doubt. Uh, so USC will kick it off at nine a.m. The day ends at a seven thirty. Actually, two seven thirty games with Washington State at Oregon State. Uh, and the two. Actually, I guess. Technically, Jonathan Smith is not a new head coach. He's in his second year now, his penultimate year. Uh, but Nick Rolovich, of course, your guy up at Washington State, will, making his, will be making his Pac-12 coaching debut, and then the day will end with Washington at Cal. Always a fantastic matchup between those, those two teams. In the middle, Arizona at Utah, UCLA, Colorado, Stanford and Oregon. Okay, so let's start with USC hosting Arizona State. It's great that this is on Fox because it finally puts the spotlight, being, it, being on big noon uh, in a prime slot for the Pac-12 with my uh, my dark horse underdog team, Arizona State. I love Jaden Daniels. I think he's fantastic. I love their wide receiving core. Recruiting has gone well. Herm has a cooking down there, USC. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup now? Uh, being at 9 a.m. Well, you do, yeah, you just kind of you kind of glossed over that. People are pissed. People are pissed that this is kicking off at 9 a.m. Pacific. And I was a huge proponent a year ago. I remember when we were really talking about it when I was doing college football live on ESPN and and I was all for it. I talked about how the year in You're an early bird we, though. You're an early but, bird. But our team went 97, we were going to the Rose Bowl, but no one knew who the hell we were. And we went out and played the University of Illinois at 9 a.m. Pacific. All right. It was body clock time. I don't care what people are saying. We watched Cal go do it at Ole Miss last year. Yep. I covered that game. This, I think, is huge, right? You're going to put the big noon kickoff game for Fox. So it usually gets Ohio State, Oklahoma-Texas game, the Red River rivalry. This is huge. you got probably one of the best up-and-coming teams in the Pac-12 in Arizona State. Jaden Daniels, you talked about it. Herm Edwards and that staff have recruited and made them a contender. This is going to be his second season in this offense and what he needs to do. Well, it will be his first season in this offense, but his second season playing. I think this is a great matchup. Keaton Slovis, that offense, that team in USC, they have a chance for the whole country to see how good they are. I think this is a prime spot for the conference to kick off, and I'm glad Fox did it. Uh, I love seeing ESPN come in late for ESPN After Dark, uh, Pac-12 After Dark doing Cal-Washington, which has been a great football game the last two seasons. So it's a great slate of football. Um, the Pac-12 have done a, a tremendous job of preparing their players and their coaches, and they've been they've been really safe in how they've gone about this. I thought they've been the most stringent. It's taken the longest, but 
you know, for a guy who doesn't really think football should be being played at all right now, uh, I'm happy that the Pac-12 has kind of led the way in terms of true safety and, and how they've gone about things. I agree with the safety side. I don't agree with how they handled their staffing with all the eight, the 88 furloughs uh, and a month before oh. Larry Scott giving up bonuses, not to mention the fact that they're paying $5.7 million for that lease up in, in, in San Francisco. So I it's agree with nice. you. It's so nice. I don't care how nice it is. This they, The Pac-12 <laughs> network sucks. They have they put $1.2 billion on collateral, and then they decided about, to play football about, and lay off 88 staffers, including your good friend Mike Yam, which, bless his heart, is at the NFL network now. But there, it was so unprecedented for the conference to do that and how about they're not gonna they're not gonna be showing any games this year good they don't deserve to they no. don't deserve to how crazy is that how crazy is that there's a network and they will not show any games this season they need to sell it to espn it's time to move on it's time to move on from that uh it's ridiculous okay i tweeted out as a joke uh hugh freeze to usc i'm on that bandwagon i love what he's doing at liberty it's just a joke for people well, i offended somebody i'm sure somewhere um Clay, I, I think that the, the waiting game with Clay Helton, I think that Mike Bone was a good addition for USC. Puts them in a, in a good spot. We, like you, you, I mean, we could sing Keaton Slovis' praises all day. Coming up with Kurt Warner out at Arizona. My laundry just finished, if you just heard that buzzer. Um, and, I mean, look, after Jamar Chase and the LSU wide receiving core opted out, I think that leaves USC with the best wide receiving tam- tandem in the nation. You could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Tyler Fonz and Amal Ross St. Brown are, are unbelievable, and I don't know why. And I mean, look, Drake London came around last year too. So I think that you pair the wide receiving core, the skill players, with Keaton Slovis and his progression. I mean, that is a scary offense. The question now is, as it has been the last few years, is the defense going to hold up? Um, and look, they're, I, it seems like uh, offensively, USC is sort of innovating, right? They're still running sort of that half-air raid offense. Um but now everybody's a little more seasoned, and they're returning their their core wide receivers. So I I don't know why they I don't know how they would lose this game. Uh, I love Arizona State. I just think it's a little premature to think that they're going to be able to win this game. Um, I think Arizona State gives me twenty fifteen Golden State Warrior vibes, where they're going to be really good and they're going to have some really good wins. But you can tell that they're peaking a little bit too early. And after like maybe one more year, I think that they'll be in contention for this conference. Great in making an evergreen uh, podcast today, going back and referencing the 2015 Golden State Warriors. Um, <laughs> this USC team is, I, I think, going to be so good offensively that it doesn't matter what their defense looks like. I think they win a ton of shootouts this year. They just are not going to, they're going to outscore everybody in the Pac 12. I think they have the best chance of anybody of being undefeated when this is all said and done. There may be be a really good team that they play in the Pac-12 championship that's gotten better all year long and builds a defense that may be able to, you know, go blow to blow with them. I just don't know if a team's going to be able be able to outscore them, and that's the biggest question. Uh, we'll see what Herm Edwards and that defense brings to the table uh, on Saturday morning. But I love that. Boom! Right out the gate, first thing in the morning, right after college game day is over, we're on Fox, and, and the Pac-12 is getting a front and center spot for everybody to see. Yeah, it's it's much needed. All right, so uh, do you have a score prediction for this game, Mister Leaf? Uh, I'm gonna go 42 to 24 uh, USC. Maybe 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 42 31. Uh, I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna go 42 31 USC. Um, yeah, I mean it's gonna be high scoring. Take the over, people. Um, I don't even know what the spread is on this game, but 
It's uh, ten and a half. It's ten and a half, and that my my score actually gives you USC minus ten and a half, forty two thirty one. Oh, so. you're you're begging people to push. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would take the whatever the over is. I'm taking it, but I I man, I think it's gonna be a little bit closer. I think it's gonna be like thir- 42, 35. Something. I think it's gonna be like a touchdown win for USC. Um, I just so you're, I taking, mean, you're taking Arizona State and, and the points and running. Yeah, I'll take the points and run. I still think SC is gonna pull it out. Um. And I'm not touching. I'm not buying points on that game. So yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a fun game though for sure. And I, it's at it's at the Coliseum. Not that I don't think home field will matter as much. I think that weather will matter for teams that aren't used to playing in bad weather when it, in terms of home field. But I don't think because without crowds in the Pac-12, it's going to matter too much. I mean, what's your take on that? Do you think that yeah, there's a sense of like familiarity with your home field, but without the crowd, how much of an impact do you think that's going to have on some of these away teams? I, I think it's. I don't. It's super limited. In fact, I think you're going to see a lot of road teams winning because a home field advantage plays a huge effect in the Pac-12 in terms of what stadiums get filled and get loud, like Washington and Oregon. Uh, you know, you go to the farm in Stanford and road oh, teams yeah. have so much more success there because no one, I mean, no one's there, right? USC has been much better lately uh, filling that place. You know, the Rose Bowl's UCLA, terrible UCLA, yeah. UCLA and the Rose Bowl has been terrible uh, it's going to, it's going to be like normal for them. They're not going to hear anything, you know? So, you know, they won't have knows, the opposing fans booing them. Utah, right. That rice Eccles is, is loud. It shakes and, uh, it won't, it won't be that. So I think you see a lot of road teams come, come in and maybe normally are a three point dog because of the home field advantage. I think that makes it more of a straight up, straight up football game. All right, let's move on here. 1230 ESPN two. Uh, Utah will be hosting Arizona. I read an article uh, in the Arizona Tribune talking about how Arizona is going to be slept on this year. I don't think that that's the case. I think that Arizona has one, maybe two wins in them. Um, I, 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 Utah is going to be a big question mark, I think, because number one, they, they were able to flip a really big four-star recruit from Ohio State and Brandon uh, Phillips III, or Clark Phillips third, excuse me, um, from Ohio State on National Signing Day to Utah. He's the biggest recruit ever to Utah. He's going to lock down that defense. I had him on my show back in August, my recruiting show. He's awesome. I think that he's going to make a, an impact defensively, filling up some of those holes. But offensively, Ryan, what do, what do we expect to see out of Utah? Because right now, we have Drew Lisk, we have Jake Bentley, we have Cameron Rising. What I've heard is that Drew Lisk, the redshirt senior, is in, in place to at least start this game. But he could be competing with grad transfer Jake Bentley. Offensively, we've seen two and three stars get turned into five stars or four stars with under this Kyle Winningham offense. Do we expect him to find the guy early on this season and then be able to elevate their game to the point of contention? It's one of the first times that Kyle Winningham really hasn't had a quarterback going into the to the uh, first game of the season, and you know, so twenty twenty, a lot of these teams that we're going to be talking about the rest of this show, you know haven't decided on their quarterback or, or are keeping it a, a secret going into it because there's been so much turnover uh, at the quarterback position, especially at, at the high level. You know, Tyler Huntley was about as good as you can get uh, last year for the Utah Utes. So, you know, Jake Bentley coming from the SEC, uh, his ability um, to play in big games, um, but he lost his job to a, a freshman who came in who – couldn't win his job this year. So that says a lot to me. So I wouldn't, Kyle Whittingham's going to place the best guy out there. That's not going to make mistakes, going to be a leader, uh, going to be a kind of a game manager. And then he's going to rely on his physical style of play. And 
for Arizona, you know, great quarterback play uh, is going to be the key. And I think they found their guy, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think they're a two and four team uh, heading into that, that championship weekend. However, they're going to play, you know, maybe they can find a third win by them, but I, I, I'm looking at their schedule. I just, I see them possibly a win against UCLA and Colorado. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Even then, who knows? Colorado's so funky, man. At that point, Colorado might have it figured out. Who knows? I don't um, know. <laughs> I mean, you so you but you say Grant Gunnell. You think that Grant Gunnell is the guy at Arizona? You think that he'll? They something? believe he is. Okay. And and you know, with Khalil Tate and how dynamic and great he was, his you know redshirt freshman year. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin, you know. For me, he hasn't been what people would consider the the quarterback whisperer that people thought he was, right? I mean, you've had these quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen just, you know, up and leave. You know, his last great quarterback, I truly believe, is was Johnny Manziel, and that was, you know, that was a train wreck there too. And they did not get along or or anything like that. So, if he feels like he's found his quarterback, uh, and he had he had flashes last year where he showed his ability, you know, and he's a he's a much he fits someone's offense much differently than, than the likes of Cleo Tate. So I think he gives them the best chance. Uh, it's going to be difficult for them to, to come out of the South. It just, it just is, you know, like I said, two and four, I think Utah ultimately finds a way to win this game. They're, they're 14 point favorites. I, I don't bet on anything this weekend, hardly when it comes to the PAC 12, because we just, we have no idea, but it, it sounds pretty relevant to, to what, we're thinking I would probably take uh, I'd sit I'd, I'd stay as far away from this game as possible when you're picking it but I, I think Utah wins for sure yeah I agree uh, speaking of Kevin's Kevin Sumlin six and seven back in 2018 his first year last year only four wins this being his third season if he can't get it done is he on the chopping blocks I don't think any coaches are on the chopping blocks this year I, I just really don't I don't think with the with the economic situation a lot of these schools are in I don't know if athletic directors, unless they can get some crazy um, donor to come in and say, Hey, I'll pay all the buyout and everything like that, which some of these schools have amazing, you know, unbelievable donors like that USC being one of them. But I, I just don't know how you justify it in the time of a pandemic to go. Oh, it's to time go to wake release. Up. That's time to eat food is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Even better. It, it, I don't know if you uh, are able to get rid of a coach this year. I think this is, you know, it, it's a, it's a, as one coach told me a week ago, this is a throwaway year. We have we can have fun. We can play we can play true freshmen off the out the gate. See what they're doing. This season doesn't count against their eligibility. Uh, it's it's almost uh, uh, Here, uh, on steroids uh, redshirt rule that they talked about. Here's the problem, and I'm looking at this now from a recruiting perspective. Um, look at a school like Texas. Texas has not been very good. Texas has been going through. A lot of adversity with Tom Herman. Uh, offensively, they have not looked great. They haven't been able to figure out their defense. They lost three of their four chip, uh, blue chip recruits over the last month. To me, if there's a better coach, if there's a better coach out there, and I, Hugh Freeze is my favorite example because he's not going to be at liberty for very long. He's not, right? It's sort of the Scott Satterfield complex because Appalachian State, now he's at Louisville. I, I see that if there is a really good coach out there, a high valued coach as an asset, why it's not about canning the coach that you have because they did a bad job, but it's about maybe making that upgrade because there are we are seeing that this season is impacting 
a potential future for some of these teams like Texas, right? LSU just had two opt-outs and a flip to Florida. And and I do think that the circumstances of this season are impacting that, whether or not you can blame the coach. I mean, I probably would blame uh, Tom Herman over at, at, at Texas because Texas depends should on what be able to keep their... It, it depends on what the buyout is for me. That I mean, if you, you've got an expiring contract, but if you've got millions and millions of dollars, it's going to be hard to justify that to schools okay. that are, are laying off sports, getting rid of sports, things like that. It's going to be really difficult to justify that. Now, hey, don't get me wrong. Football has had like the least accountabilities you can imagine when it comes to like, hey, we know we're the star. We put the, we put the, the food on the table. You do what we tell you to do. Uh, or we'll take, you know, we'll just take away your sport. All right. Uh, and uh, they've been very fortunate because they they're the they're the you know the money generating sport out there. So I mean they can, they can. I just don't know if it's if the optics are great, but clearly, you know, I don't think optics has mattered too much. I think it's starting to matter a little bit more in terms of of what we're going through in the world. But you know, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me at all if if uh, a coach is gone and they've you know maybe. To your point, it may be an opportunity for them to get rid of someone and bring in a guy that's kind of under the radar, not pay him a lot of money, let him build and work his ass off to make it make it into something special. You know, we'll see. But I, I don't know if another if a two and four season for him, you know, sends him out the door. I think a lot of things are going to be brought into the equation because of what we've gone through for the last seven months. Two games down, four to go. We have USC beating Arizona State. We have Utah beating Arizona. Let's move on to the. Uh, Rudy Pooh Bowl of the day, if you will. Colorado hosting UCLA at 4 o'clock. That's Pacific time, obviously. Uh, give that hour over to the mountain time for all you mountain folks. Um, UCLA is going to be bad. UCLA is going to be really bad. Uh, it, I still love Chip Kelly. It, it pains me to see that, you know, another school that... I, I keep telling people, oh, wait a couple years, let the recruiting class come in, let the Chip Kelly complex take its thing, and eventually it'll 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 work out. The problem is that coronavirus happened and the coronavirus doesn't care about the Chip Kelly complex. Um, and, and I don't think that UCLA is any better than they than they were when they brought the guy. Yeah, they had Park McQuarrie, some guy from New Hampshire who honestly is completely overrated coming in next year. But other than that, this team this year, they lost Joshua Kelly. I don't know anybody that's going to be sufficient enough to really replace the production that he brought. Do you even see UCLA? Do you see UCLA being worse than Arizona? No, because of the continuity. Uh, I just think that Chip Kelly's been there. It's third year DTR. He's coming back for his third year with them. And that's, that for me is huge in that offense, his ability. And you, and you see, you saw offensively what they were able to do uh, a bit last year. Um, and I, I think if you're going to look at this truncated season and anytime you have the continuity factor, offensive coordinator, head coach, quarterback, all those things coming back, I think that's going to play a big factor in, t- in terms of, uh, them being able to win some games, you know, I, I don't think they're they're going to be great, but they're going to be they're going up against a Colorado team that's playing a, you know, a shifted safety as their quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the triple option uh, out of them this weekend, and it would be strange with Darren Shiverini's, you know, offense and the talent of Libisca Chenault a year ago. So, I, I think they win this football game. Um, it may be one of the only ones they win. But again, another scenario where if it was a full season and they were to go three and nine like they did the last two years, essentially, um, 
you know, there'd be a good chance Chip Kelly might be out of there, but I, I just I don't think it's going to happen with with what the season looks like. Yeah, I don't know if Chip Kelly will be out after the season. I agree. Um, so you talk about Colorado. It looks like Jarek Broussard, Jarek Broussard out of uh, Bishop Lynch High School in Dallas, Texas, will be the starter. Uh, he has played both cornerback and running back. Um, he dressed for two games in his freshman season last year. He injured his knee and missed the entire season. So it's going to be interesting to see his development. It's going to be a long development. I agree with you. I think that look, our uh, Navy, no Air Force, excuse me, is not too far away in Colorado Springs. Maybe they, you know, call and ask for a copy of that playbook, run that triple option, um, and just try to rack up the yards. UCLA's defensive front seven hasn't been historically very good, at least in the recent, I, guess, I shouldn't say historical, uh, in recent memory, UCLA's front seven hasn't been phenomenal. So who but you're knows? 12 years old, so you, you know, your history. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> Why is it that everybody that I work with in this industry, I, I, I'm, I get told How that. How old are you? I'm How 20. You? I'm 23. You're 23, I'm right? I'm 23. I'm twice your age. So let's just let's just calm down. I don't know right? if you're trying to put me down or if you're insulting yourself. No, I'm I'm a handsome 44 year old. Oh, I look like I'm, I look like I'm 34. <laughs> yeah, and my hairline makes it look like I'm 30. Uh, all right, you have Colorado losing to UCLA. We have Utah over Arizona and USC over Arizona State. Oregon hosting Stanford. Stanford's gone through. Oh, actually, you know what? I want to say something about Colorado really quickly. So Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker pulled a Willie Taggart on Colorado last year. Um, uh, he wasn't as egregious about leaving Colorado as Willie Taggart was about leaving Oregon. Uh, now Willie Taggart, you know, screwed up at Florida State. and He's at FAU leeching off of what Lane Kiffin left for him. Um, but I think that uh, – Colorado's actually in better hands. Michigan State, 1-1, one one, lost to Rutgers to open the season. Did beat Michigan last week, which is crazy. But I don't know. I'm not so confident about Mel Tucker at Michigan State. So Colorado, I don't know what's happening with you in terms of players. But personnel-wise, uh, I think that Shiverini is actually going to be a really good coach. We'll see what happens with the development of that program. Okay, Oregon-Stanford. Stanford cut 11 sports. Football was not one of them during coronavirus. They went from like 35 down to 24. Um, Oregon's ranked number 12. Too high or too low off the bat, Ryan Leaf? Uh, I think, I think, I think it's just about right. Okay. Let's just say that. I think it's just about right in terms of where they're at because of their success from a year ago, but they are replacing so much, right. That the whole offensive line now, Panay Sewell was supposed to come back, but he opted out. So this whole offensive line needs to be replaced. The quarterback, an offensive coordinator, who's gone on to be the head coach at UNLV. Although I think that might be a good, a good thing to be honest with you. I agree. And then defensively, they lost three quarters of their their defensive backfield. Brady Breeze, the Rose Bowl MVP, is is opted out. So, you know, it, it it's a lot to ask. Stanford and Shaw are consistency. Davis Mills comes back, and they thought he was so good that they let KJ Costello go down to Mississippi State and crash and burn. Even though he's the even though what? he's the all-time all-time leading passer, is is it him or is it Mike Leach through. who's who's crashing and burning? Both, is, both. Right? They they both they 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 went out into the water together and and they just they lit themselves on fire. And the crazy but, uh, thing is that LSU is terrible, so that opening win doesn't even it's not even impressive. It, it's 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 impressive. I mean, throwing for six hundred yards against an LSU team is impressive. Yeah, I don't we, care who look you are. At, oh come on, look at this LSU. LSU put up eleven points last week. It doesn't matter. Go throw for 600 yards against an LSU team. I can't throw for two yards against the LSU team, Ryan. (laughs) That's absurd. No one's ever done it. 
No LSU, one's ever done it. LSU has eight potential NFL players on their defense, and that that's how bad that they were in that game. Right, right. So that's that's fair that's, enough. He's not, and, and Costello probably not going to play much the rest of the year, which is crazy. So Davis Mills apparently was the guy, and if he is the guy, this game is going to be much more entertaining than a lot of people probably wanted to be or assumed it was going to be with Oregon. Yeah, they. I mean, they have Jack West, uh, the transfer from San Diego State, backing him up. I agree. I think Mills. Look, I, the wide receiving core typically is very good. I, I, you know, they've had JJ Arcega Whiteside and. Uh, previously, they have Michael Wilson returning. He honestly had a pretty decent season early on before he got injured last year. Um, I have, the UCF game is standing out to me for some reason. They have Cotter Wennington, who's returning. They have Simu Hoko, excuse me, who's also. So the wide receiving core is back intact. They have Osiris St. Brown, Amon Ra's brother. Uh, he's actually the backup, I think, in the Y for them. So they have some talent at the skill positions. Defensively, I have no idea what to expect. Um, I don't care that Oregon's replacing a bunch of players. And that may be my bias. It may be because I have some side bets running on this season. I don't know. Uh, CJ Riddell's returning. 1,000-yard rusher last season. Travis dies. So the, the backfield's going to be great. I know that they're replacing a lot on the offensive line. Mario Cristobal, though, has proven that he is very good at building offensive lines going back to his days as a line coach at Miami. So I'm confident that they could at least figure out something, especially if you look at the front sevens in the Pac-12, outside of maybe Washington, I like what Cal has going on, but we need to see them on the field first. And USC, I don't know if I don't know if front sevens are going to be that impressive in this conference. So even if they're replacing a lot of the offensive line, if if they're not facing a ton of pressure up front and they have the talent in the backfield, I don't know if that's going to impact them that much. What what will impact is Tyler Shuck and his ability to have time in the pocket. Uh, I know that they've been working with him about moving out of the pocket, about off balance throws, about uh, you know snap to release time. They want to make that quicker. Um, but he's the starter. He beat out Anthony Brown. He beat out the freshman Jay Butterfield. He's the starter for this team. Jalen Red returns. Micah Pittman returns. Johnny Johnson returns. So besides Shawan Johnson, the wide, the wide receiving core is there. Um, tight end, Cam McCork. Cormick got injured last year. He's going to start. They got Hunter Kempemeyer, who is a redshirt senior, also coming in. So I don't. I agree with you, Ryan. Look, they're replacing a lot. Diamo Dorlador opted out. Is coming back in the backfield. Nick Pickett is back in the backfield once again. Yes, they don't have Brady Breeze, who is this uh, the red, the red. What's it called? The Rose Bowl defensive MVP. But they have Verone McKinney, who is a very good free safety. So I'm not necessarily going to sit here and say that these opt outs are detrimental to Oregon's success in the Pac-12. Is it going to be a challenge? Yes, but I do think that they have the depth. And look at the front seven. Did you see the picture of Justin Flo? Have you seen what Justin Flo looks like, Ryan? That dude is a monster. And with him and Kayvon Thibodeau up front, this team is going to still be... And Jordan Scott is returning. This team is going to be really good. Regar- I, I, that's just how I feel. Um, yeah. That's my piece. I know. You're, you seem very excited about it. Um, <laughs> I, I miss football. I miss Oregon Pac-12 football. I'm just excited right. for it. I get it. You're you're an alumnus, too, and that that's that's meaningful. Um, and I agree with you. I think defensively up front, I think they're going to be the most physical football team in the Pac-12. I really do. Mario Cristobal, that, that, the way he recruits, the way he coaches, they're going to be the most physical football team. They ended up being the most physical football team a year ago, and they beat a Utah team that I thought could not be uh, out physical last year in that Pac-12 championship game. And they did it against a Wisconsin team that was super physical. They found a way to win it in the Rose Bowl. So I don't see why they won't be this year. Uh, there's a lot to replace. Offensive line-wise, um, to replace five guys is huge. So in this conference, you're going to have to score. You're just going to have to score points. 
period. And if you're not able to score a lot of points, uh, I think that would be the only thing that limits them because otherwise I think they're as talented as anybody else in this conference. I agree. Okay, so number 12, Oregon hosting Stanford 430. That's an ABC game. That's going to be a fun game uh, on the national TV slate. Who do you have in this game and by how much? Uh, I got Oregon. I got Oregon, and I'm just going to say by a field goal right now because I think they find a way to get it done uh, and, and come out on top in a big game. ESPN's got it. Herb Street, Fowler, Maria Taylor, they're all going to be there. Uh, should be fun to see the Pac-12 on opening weekend. Are you worried that we're going to lose the big three to Monday Night Football? Because apparently they they're killing it, man. On Monday, when they call those those back end Monday Night Football games, I'm worried that ESPN is going to slot them there, and we're going to lose the big three for college football. I wouldn't be surprised if they did both. Really? Yeah, uh, they did it to do that the other night. You know, they called the yeah. Saturday night game, and then they called the Monday night game. I, if they're that good, and they are. And people uh, appreciate it that much. Um, it, it, I, I, I don't see why ESPN wouldn't do something like that. They're really good at what they do. So is Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and, and Lewis Riddick. But I think a lot of people knew that this year was kind of a placeholder. Yeah. Uh, hoping for something to happen a year from now. But uh, I, over at NBC, I think, you know, I, you're, you're a play-by-play guy. Al Michaels, you know. is Mike Tirico is, is being phased in. He is because Al's just – you know, there's there's some there's some Lee Corso to him, right? Where you love him, and but he's on the lot. back nine. I'm watching, I'm watching, and there's some mistakes, and there's in the he's just not seeing the game like he used to, and that's nothing against him, right? I mean, it's 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 not ageism either. It's just you know we get older, and uh, it, it's not the same. And Tariko is is great, so I, I assume it's going to be Tariko and Drew Brees here in about a couple years. Ooh, uh, rolling around. That's that's okay. why they that's why they that's why NBC hired Brees. Uh, they were going to phase them in in Notre Dame games and then take over for Collinsworth. So I, I, that's probably where that, that's going to go. But um, I would really, I would really miss Kurt and uh, and, Chris and Chris calling those games yeah. um, on Saturday nights. And I don't think they will. They're 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 in college football, and if they do go to Monday Night Football, it would be because um, they're that good and they can do it. I well, they are that good, and they can do it. Let's just—I mean, it's just about the decision making at this point. But I, I completely agree with you. And I—I I mean, look, that I, I, Al Michaels. It's how I felt with Kevin Harlan calling NBA games in the bubble. I think that Kevin Harlan now his strengths are, are football. I think that he's sort of, you know, I don't think his basketball is that strong anymore. Um, and I feel the same way about Al Michaels and his football. And it's sad. We love these guys, but uh, Al Michaels is Southern California. Actually, he was technically born in Hawaii. Went to high school in Southern California. Uh, great story. Hamilton High School, all that good stuff. Okay, Oregon. I agree with you. I, you have Oregon by a field goal. Um, the Ducks like to do this. The Ducks like to do this in the opening game of every season. It sucks that this is a Pac-12 game, too, because that makes it even more... Uh, it makes it even tougher, I would think, because these conference games, man. I, I, I agree. I think that Oregon wins by a field goal. But you're right. Both, both teams have to score points at the end of the day. Both teams have their skill position players, with the exception of Oregon and Tyler Shuck returning the season. Um, maybe 38-35 Oregon, maybe 35-32. I think maybe we'll see a pick six, maybe a, you know, a fumble here or there. I think that something defensively will happen. Um, but I agree with you. I give Oregon a field goal chance right now. What's the spread on that game? Uh, I think it's... Uh... I think it's relatively low. Um, yeah, I mean, Oregon's 11, favored <laughs> by 11. So. Oh, yeah, that's that's too high for me. Yeah. Uh, all too right. High for just, too high for just unknowns for me, so yeah. 
Yeah, we need sample size. All right, let's move over uh, up the I-5 around 60 miles northwest or actually northeast of Eugenia's Corvallis Research Stadium with its beautiful renovations. We'll be hosting your Cougars of Washington State. Uh, it's the young coaches, Rolovich, taking on Smith. I'm excited to see what Rolovich does up at Washington State because of how he led Hawaii to their Mountain West, uh, their inaugural Mountain West Championship last year, their first one ever. But I don't know if he's going to get it done in his first season as a Pac-12 head coach. So I honestly think Oregon State is going to win this game. I think they're an exciting team. I think, yes, they're replacing Jake Luton, but they got Jamar Jefferson returning. They got some of their defensive, big defensive guys returning. They have a couple of decent transfers. I think their quarterback is from Nebraska, went to Calabasas High School out in, in the Valley out near you. Um, but I think Oregon State wins this game, and I think they actually, they actually win by maybe a touchdown. Well, they're favored by one and a half. So, you know, Vegas thinks they're, they're going to win as well. Um, you know, Washington State's going to start a, a true freshman, first time ever in the first game of the season uh, that they're going to start a true freshman. Rolovich recruited Delora. Uh, out of uh, St. Louis High School there in Hawaii to go to Hawaii. Uh, he he uh, luckily got to coach him at Washington State. Uh, there's been a lot of up and down. You know, we'll see what this new offense looks like. They have a great running back. And in this kind of offense, in this run and shoot type of offense, running backs can have a field day catching the football and running the football. Um, and I expect big things out of Max Borgie. Yep, now. Max Saying all of that, uh, I have no idea what this team's going to look like. Washington State was able to get it done with Mike Leach because it was it was a niche deal. He was able to recruit a different kind of player, and in the Pac-12, they were able to get it done. As you can see, it does not work everywhere else. It does not work in the SEC. And uh, what's that going to look like? Are they going to be mediocre? Are they going to be a three and three team? I honestly would think a three and three start to to Rolovich in his first year under extreme circumstances, would be pretty darn good. I know that he's going to play the Apple Cup much differently. If you're going to – I texted him the other night, told him good luck, congratulations. He goes, I don't know what we got, but I knew, I do know we're going to fight. I know that for sure. And that means a lot. They're going to fight their tails off. And this is a great first game. Jonathan Smith is an up-and-coming coach, I really believe. This will be his third season. Uh, what he's been able to do in his first two, I think, is tremendous. Almost getting into a bowl game a year ago, that last second loss to Washington State, keeping them out. Go Kooks. Um, so <laughs> I really think he's going to be looking for some payback here. And uh, Nick Rolovich may be on the op, you know, on, on the opposing end of that. I cannot not go with my Cougars, so I go Cougs by three. Okay, it makes me feel less bad about my organ analysis. Um, no, I'm with you. I think I think Washington State always does some crazy stuff every year. Two years, I guess now three seasons ago. Call me old. Uh, you know that that big win against Oregon last year. I mean, we were all up until you know twelve thirty watching them blow a crazy lead to UCLA. I mean, they always keep it entertaining, and I have no doubt that the Rolovich era will bring more of that. Um, Oregon State, Tristan Jebbia, transfer from Nebraska. He was a McDonald's All-American in high school. Didn't play very much uh, at Nebraska, but I think that this system, especially with Jamar Jefferson, who I think they're going to heavily rely on, uh, he's going to play a lot better, uh, especially, like you said, on the Jonathan Smith. Is there a ceiling on Jonathan Not a ceiling, I should say. Is there a floor on Jonathan Smith at Oregon State? Because to me, if he finds a way, and who knows, like you said, this season is extenuating circumstances. But if he make if he turns his team into a 
you know, holiday bowl team or a red box bowl team in the next few seasons, next two seasons, we'll call it. Do other bigger schools take a look at this guy as a potential candidate, even though his roots are dug in in Corvallis? Yeah, I do. I, I do think they do, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's the guy that leaves. Interesting. I don't, I don't think he's the guy that leaves. I think he's a guy that stays and builds and understands what winning looks like. He won there. He got the 10 wins. He took him to Fiesta Bowl. All right. So he, he knows what that place can be like when teams win like that. Um, I just, I don't think, you know, I know coaches are ambitious and, but he's always been a Northwest guy. He stayed there. He coached under Chris Peterson at Washington. I would not be surprised if he continues uh, to stay at Oregon state, even if, you know, bigger named teams and programs come a calling. All right. So Oregon state hosting Washington state at seven thirty on Fox sports. One, I have Oregon. You said you Washington state by a field goal. I'm going to give Oregon state a, a oof, maybe a six point spread. Uh, what does Vegas think? Minus one and a half. Okay. Oh, you said that. Um, okay. So Vegas and I agree on an Oregon state win. Last year, when the last time Ryan and I disagreed, he ended up in an Oregon uh, polo. So we'll see what happens this year when they play each other. Uh, all right, the final game of the day, the other seven thirty game on ESPN, the main channel, getting those eyeballs. Cal hosting Washington. Every year, Justin Wilcox's defense is underrated. Every year, he has one of the best defenses in the nation. Will they get off to a one and zero start this season, Ryan Leaf? Well, they lost their tackling machine in Evan Weaver, so. That dude tackled everybody. He tackled his family. He tackled his grandma. <laughs> he tackled everybody. Uh, they lost him, but, you know, Jordan Kanashik the year before, right? It, this is what Wilcox does. And, and their ability to bring back guys that wanted to opt out, uh, I think, are huge. So um, Chase Garbers was the best quarterback uh, on that football team when he was healthy. And if he's able to stay healthy – uh, they found a way to beat this Washington team two years in a row. So they're favored by one and a half. It's in Cal. I don't think that's as meaningful. A lot of unknowns of Washington. Jimmy Lake now there. Chris Peterson gone. Uh, pretty even game. I think in a game like this, physicality, a quarterback that is special uh, coming back. I, I think Cal does it again for three years in a row. They start the season out and they win by, you know, they win by a field goal or a safety because their new tackling machine makes a play in the end zone. Right now, Washington is projecting freshman out of Corona Del Mar High School, five-star quarterback Ethan Garbers as the starter. Brother that, on brother yes, sir. We will have some brother-on-brother football gridiron action uh, this Saturday. Ethan Garbers, for those who don't know, Ryan and I argued about it. Uh, prior to the podcast starting. But Ethan Garber's 55 touchdown passes last year. Uh, he did have a five-star wide receiver in John Humphreys, who's at Stanford. He had a five-star tight end in Mark Redman, who's at Washington. I think that Ethan Garber's is awesome. The fact, the fact that he threw 55 touchdowns, that, that for me, high school stats for me, I, don't, I could care less about. I mean, I, I get it. But for me, that, doesn't, that for me doesn't translate to being good. I think he's just going to be a very good quarterback. Um, the touchdowns. Yeah, but I I, 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 I I threw eight touchdowns. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, but I'm but but I can sit here and say, oh, he's going to be a good quarterback, but I need something to back it up. So seventy two percent completion percent. Absolutely, absolutely. No, you could just simply you can simply say what fa- I see. What I see 
is a good quarterback. That's all. Ryan, you have to say. I have a I have a journalism. You I have love, a journalism degree. You also I have love, a journalism I degree. You, I love how you just you love your recruiting. I cannot it's tell not, you a thing about. No, recruiting. it's not about recruiting. It's about you. Also have a journalism degree, right? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So what do you? What you are not? You are taught that in journalism, you can't make statements based on opinion. You have to have facts to back. It's it's a thesis, right? We are we are putting together no. a thesis on. Yeah, absolutely, no. absolutely. No. I, my credentials aren't. What journalism. if we're my, wrong? My credentials are being uh, the basketball player of the year and the first round draft. Okay, so let's. Why said, that's why I think he's going to be good. So let's good, and I think he's going to be good because of the eye test, but also because I his stats back up the fact that he was really good. So I have no reason. Yeah, to but my otherwise. staff didn't. Why was I going to okay, be Okay, con- congratulations on being the anomaly, Ryan. No, there's a lot of anomalies. Come on. And there's not a lot. Blog. There's not a lot. Justin Fields was a five-star recruit. Trevor Lawrence was the, the uh, by the way, in Justin Ju- Trevor Lawrence's recruiting class uh in 2018, he was number 1 and then 2 through 10 were all from Southern California. All right, let's move on here. So Cal and Washington uh, Ethan Garbers, we both agree, is going to be very good. Uh, Ryan's credentials, obviously, as a player, far out uh, outwork mine, but I saw the guy a couple times last year, so I'm going to hold my head up. touchdowns, everybody. He threw 55 touchdowns. 72% completion percentage over the what? course of his, of his, of his high school career. 38%. Ryan, Ethan Garbers was a higher recruit than you were. There's a real, like... Was he? Yeah, man. What, what, what quarterback was he in the country? Ethan? Yeah. Uh, nine? Nine or higher? Some, I'll get you his official number. Give me one okay. sec. Well, if he was nine or higher, you're right. But if he wasn't, if he was over nine, like, then he was I, I mean, should we have to go into the errors and how the quarterback is now more recruited and all this good stuff? He was I actually was number he, uh, he was number four. He was number four. Oh, really? In the country? Yeah. Number four pro quarterback in the nation. Oh, they go by pro now, don't they? I mean, do you all look at his overall for you? I wasn't a pro quarterback. I was an option quarterback in high school. Get out of here. Yeah. The most the most passes I attempted in high school was 10 in that's, a game. That's ridiculous to me. Um, I was speedster. I, was, I, I ran so fast. You couldn't see me. <laughs> that I believe, especially uh, hearing some of your basketball, uh, basketball stories. <laughs> All so right. Cal wins. Yes, Cal so, wins. so I agree with you. I think that Cal wins. Um, I think that Ethan Garbers is going to be fantastic. He's going to be on in, on the back end of what will be the rising class of, of, of quarterbacks coming out of the Pac-12. I think Tyler Shuck will be really good, but I think it's going to be led by Keaton Slovis and um, and uh, Jaden Daniels. Uh, so we have USC over Arizona State, Utah over Arizona, UCLA over Colorado, Oregon over Stanford, Oregon State over. So we have one road team winning this week. In the slate of Pac-12 games, I have Washington State winning on the road. So. That is true. We disagreed. Okay, you have two road teams. I have Oregon State in that game. I have one road team. Go Ducks, Ryan. Final words here as we sign off. Uh, I'm so glad to be doing Pac-12 football again. It's like in our wheelhouse. Good to see you. Uh, you know, we got seven weeks of this. Let's make the, make the most of it. And who knows, maybe if there's an undefeated team and some crazy stuff happens in the Big Ten and the ACC, maybe we have eight weeks of this. Looking forward to it, Ryan. Great start. Uh, We will be back next week for more Believe in the Pac-12. We will break down this upcoming Saturday's games, and we'll also give you a preview of what to look for in Week 11, but Week 2 of the Pac-12 slate. For Ryan Leaf, I'm Jonathan Rifkin. I'll be back tomorrow with Just Recruiting with Jonathan Rifkin. Until then, everybody stay safe, and thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on all listening platforms.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.